on today's show, part two with myself and Glenn Willis talking about Trey Young is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1544 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the Lots on Podcast Network. And right now, if you're a new customer, bet $5, you get $200 off in bonus bets, guaranteed. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the place to get started. And it is part two of two with myself and Glenn Willis talking about Trey Young. If you missed it, part one is where I would start. It should be available in the same podcast feed right now. And it dropped it basically at the same time. So that should be available for you there. Without any more delay, I should also tell you to make us your first listen each and every day. And please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube, etc. But uh, yeah, no other things to plug at this point in time. Mailbag podcast, all that fun stuff. We've been very busy on this feed in recent days. But part one, start there. Part two, here we go with myself and Glenn. I purposely don't want to end with defense. So let's do it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, just so, you know, it is what it is. We got to talk about it a little bit. Um, everyone knows Trey's not a great defender. Um, but I'll just throw this out there. And we both watched a lot of Trey Young defense last season. Um, a couple of the more prominent advanced metrics liked it a lot more last year. He took a, a sizable jump in EPM uh, to like, I think he was in the 40 something percentile. That's, a, I mean, that's not like much, but that's a lot better than it's been. Raptor, same thing. Over 538. Uh, I think another one uh, that the LeBron metric didn't really see it. He was still near the bottom of the league. And look, I, I have no interest in litigating whether Trey is the fifth worst or 30th worst defender in the league. It doesn't actually matter to me. One thing I, I will say, and I'll throw it to you, is that I think I think we have seen clear improvement from Trey Young defensively from where he was at where I really did think he was maybe the worst guard because we've had that, 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 that discussion too about like, the damage that a point guard can do defensively. Let's not do that. Um, but I think he is improved. That, that, does not, that does not mean he's good because he's not. But that's where I want to start this off by just saying, look, I get he's not very good. That's probably never going to change. But I think there is a, there's a, between now and where he was, let's just say three years ago, rookie rookie was even worse. But, you know, he's got he's gotten a lot better to the point where it's not always a tire fire. And I think that's, that's notable. And it's also – something that he's going to have to continue to at least maintain, if not improve, because as we've discussed a lot as a team, they got, they got to get better defensively. And that's not just Trey. And it drives me nuts. I'm sure it does to you when, especially again, I'm not usually going with the national crutch, but I'm doing it again. Now people act like it's just Trey's fault that they're not good defensively. And that makes me insane because it's absolutely not. So anyway, what do you think about Trey's defense at this point? Glenn? Yeah. I think we saw examples of him, uh, uh, advancing his game on the end of the floor last year. I think, you know, when we've talked about, like, you know, when Kevin and I recorded a couple times back, we talked about consistency really is going to be everything with this team, right? And that's where yep. it is for Trey on defense, right? Now, there there are there's a lot to kind of think about with that. Number one is, can Quinn and his new coaching staff help Trey land on an approach that's going to reserve more energy for the defensive end of the court? Right. Yeah. Historically, he's exerted so much energy on the offensive end of the court. And that's that's a, a thing that the coaching staff and the team has to help him with. 
And then Trey has to buy in as well. Okay, I'm going to be a little less active, a little bit less, <laughs> inner, you know, exerting myself on offense because I've got to save it on defense. I think last year, I think Longabardi helped a lot too. There were things that they were doing last year. There were things Trey was doing last year that he wasn't doing before. What are what are the things I think are most important for Trey? And this is going to to some listeners, it might be like, oh my god, like number one, Trey, keep yourself out of trouble. Keep yourself out of a bad spot, right? Yeah. If you're getting if you if you're getting a screen, if your guys getting called up for a screen and you've got Hunter on your side of the floor, can you pre-switch that and send Hunter up with your guy to get that screen or not? The pre like recognizing as soon as the other team is getting into their set, what's going on? And and as the season went on, they got better and better and better at pre-switching. JC was awesome at it. Hunter helped him a lot. Yeah. And then the, the second half of the season it was more of Trey being like, "Oh no." Hey, you know, yeah. him initiate. Make it, a, make it an alarm, yeah. Well, no, yeah. that's something I want to say real, real quick, and I'm not telling you, as for everybody, I know you know this. The Hawks do have different rules for trade everybody else defensively, and that's the way it has to be. And I think that it's good that they acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. he, he, gets, he gets accounted for, he gets looked out for, um, however you want to say that, by his teammates more than everybody else. And by the way, that's a very typical thing for a star offensive guard in particular that's not it's not out of the ordinary but i just want to say that out loud like he does get they they know and i think he he acknowledges and you just brought it up i think he's buying more and more into that now like you know what maybe it's a pride thing but like put that to the side kind of raise your hand and whatever metaphorical way that is like announce that hey i I need to i need some help here because for better or worse his physical limitations there's always matchups where it's going to be it's going to be bad if he gets caught in a certain place yeah i know it's funny because i'm as you're talking and recalling specific play like there was a play last year (laughs) where he was like up around the elbow and Jalen was behind him and trey saw it right away and you heard you heard it Jalen, 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 you know and he called that pre-switch right and and i know it may sound like that that you can't be talking about a positive defender or a helpful defender. No, that is super helpful That's smart. and yeah, super exactly. valuable, right? Yes. And uh, over the years, I or I think the the Steph template that applies for Trey is on defense. Now, as Steph has gotten older, he's stronger on ball. You know, and he's, and he's Trey, bigger than he's bigger than Trey. Too. He's bigger he's than Trey, right? Yeah. But it's taken like till like year eight nine before Steph ever got to the point where he could kind of try to kind of really have an impact on ball. So number one is keep yourself out of trouble. Take ownership. Don't you know, there's not a Draymond on the Hawks right now, right? No. And, and for, for three or four years, it was really Draymond driving all of that defensive brain for the Warriors. So to me, it's like my accountability, you know, the thought I have, Trey, keep yourself out of trouble. Keep yourself clean, right? Don't get caught up in something that you can't get out of. Use your teammates. That is probably the most important defensive skill that he needs to kind of be really consistent with all the time. And again, some listeners might be like, oh, that's that's way too much work. No, this is this is fairly normal. This is real. Go watch, a, go watch three Trailblazers games and watch how many times Dane like, gets himself pulled out of a bad spot by leveraging a teammate to, to kind of help him with that, right? It's it's pretty typical, and Trey has to take what he did in from in my view in, in spots last year and did – with some increasing consistency over the second half of the year and do it this year, basically like all the time. And with that consistency, so that, that's number one thing. The number two thing is you don't have to have size to communicate. I thought his communication went from like a, I don't know, a C minus to a C plus last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. When he was low, man, you could hear him yelling, I'm low, I'm low, I'm low. And his spacing as a low man was a whole lot better. 
And he can continue doing that. He can get to hopefully like a B plus communicator this year. He, uh, again, this may sound wild, but even communicating all the time is exerting, right? And so you oh, got to yeah. have enough energy for defense. Probably the thing that fans will most remember is as the season went on, he became, a, especially in critical points of game, a guy that was producing turnovers, right? Yep. And he would like, Trey's super smart. He's, he's sees everything, right? And so it's a matter of, I'm going to use my energy to jump that passing lane or to uh, get a dig in uh, what yep. I got, right? Dig, dig down from a side where a, a, a big man has kind of turned his back to where the help's coming from. I'm going to go get that basketball um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So if you ask me to kind of chalk up where it is, right? There, I mean, there's there's also just be a good team defender, get back, help be part of a five-man unit, getting back in transition, right? That's the stuff everybody has to do. When we're kind of talking about the thing specifically to Trey. It's keep yourself out of trouble, communicate at an even higher level, and then really pick your spots and, and try to be more active as a guy that can produce turnovers. Uh, because even, especially if he's the one who collects the ball off of a, a, a dig deflection or whatever it is, and you're going, you're in really good shape, right? And so there's a way to kind of, coaches talk about all the time, generate offense from defense. I think Trey, I think there's more Trey can do there if his kind of energy distribution offensively and defensively is in a little bit of a better place. So those those are the things I called out for Trey of how he can be an increasingly impactful d- defender. But it all really does start with keeping himself out of bad spots. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. And get ready for the NFL season right now with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, get bet $5. Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed at FanDuel. And plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off. NFL signing ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV right now. FanDuel has point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, futures, and much more. The app at FanDuel is very safe and secure, and they cover the entire range of sports they're looking for in the sports world, of course. That includes places, uh, you know, sports like the NFL. Of course, college football, NBA, WNBA, MLB, college basketball, golf, tennis, auto racing, soccer, and much more. It's all there at FanDuel, and now is the best time possible to join FanDuel. This is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season right with an offer that you don't want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, again, it's it's not – we're not expecting him to move mountains defensively. It's the little things. Um, there are different rules for him. That's okay. But um, it's just that, you know, I, I totally agree about his – you know, his hands are really good. Like when he, when, he, when, he, when he goes for a steal, he gets it 
at a high level. Like it's he had a career high steal rate last year. It's not like off the charts. It's not like he's getting three steals a game, but he, he's 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 adequate enough at doing that. And I, the way that I I got asked about this by Nate Nelkin actually on his podcast, and I was like, look, if you watch Trey on the right half, like he looks pretty good defensively. Like you know what I mean? It's just not the consistency thing that you brought up is is a great point. And again, it's not just him. Something you and I've been preaching the entire the entire summer about the whole team. But he's the head of the snake. He's the best player. He can set that tone a little bit more. And uh, it's not realistic to say, look, Trey's got to be awesome defensively for 82 games. It's just not going to happen. But more consistency, building those habits. Um, and like I said, like if you watch the right quarter, he looks good. It's just like get, get more of those quarters, more of those halves, stringing them together as part of the team concept. And like, I don't know. It's hard to talk about because I can already hear people rolling their eyes about like, you know, well, he's not ever going to be. I understand he's not going to be he's not going to be great, but there are things you can do to get better. And that's how it is for a lot of guys. I mean, Steph's a great example. I don't always always want to use Steph, but Dame's gotten better as he's gotten older. He's he's he, another guy who I think is a pretty bad defender on the whole, but has gotten better, better to, you know, it's, it's incremental things, but it does actually matter. And it shows up in the metrics, shows up in the way the team communicates. And, uh, you know, without Collins, who, uh, you know, we talked about that a lot on that show, we don't have to relitigate it. That's going to be a communication loss. I mean, you t- you've been leading the charge on how much how much JC communicates. That guy's not there anymore. And, you know, Clint's a great communicator. Um, I th- I'm sure Onyeka and Jalen will get better and better and better as they get more reps. But, like, it can help when the guy at the point of attack and they, tr- they try to hide him. Like, it's always going to – and there's this game that everybody plays – to kind of put a point on the defense, like they're going to try to hide Trey and other teams are going to try to attack Trey. That's never going to stop. That game has, is going to ha- his entire career is going to happen. And in the playoffs, even more so we've seen that at times in the playoffs, I thought he actually played pretty decently against Boston in the playoffs yep. by his standards. Yep. He was more engaged. And that goes to your point about the fact that it's an effort thing. It's an energy thing in the playoffs. It's, I don't, I don't want to say easier, but it's a little bit more, Guys are just up for it. You know, every game matters so much more and they're trying hard. Everybody's trying harder, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what what that looks like, especially because like we'll get into it now about how this new regime is going to come in. And we, we kind of spent a lot of time on the Trey DeJounte thing on the DeJounte profile. We don't have have to do the whole thing again, but like, that's always what I get asked about number one. And it's like, okay, is that mean more? I don't know what that looks like, but as I want, I do want to get into like what, this is going to look like it's not a season preview, but because we're here and it's the last one and all that stuff, like how is this going to start to maybe shift a little bit more? We talked around it, but I want to ask you what you're looking for. Even, even early in camp, like I guess we'll focus on Trey, but it doesn't have to be just be about Trey. Like, what are you kind of circling even in September and October for stuff that you're like, okay, what's this going to look like with Quinn? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I, and maybe I'll, I'll kind of close out on, on defense. Cause I mean, that's, yeah, go ahead. I can't. So, cause they're, they're, We'll we'll start with Trey and kind of go from there, right? There are two, from a volume standpoint, there are two primary things that other teams try to do with Trey on defense. One is get him switched onto the ball handler, and number two is make him the low man, which the low man is the helper at the rim, the helper in the middle, right? Yep. And it's funny because like two years ago, like you, I'm I'm speculating a bit, like what I think I'm seeing a Trey was like, I'm not being put into the screen. (laughs) Yeah. Now it's like, uh, oh, like last year, it seemed like it was like, I don't know, 65%. We want Trey to be the low man. We want Trey to be the helper at the rim because he's got well, those shots that make an impact. And, and, that, and that makes sense. If you're, if you're on the team, I'd, I'd rather have Trey be the low man personally. Than absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
because uh, in, in the screen, if the second defender helps trade the right way, you can avoid that. There's there's lots we could talk about there, right? But as the low man, there are things you have to do. Like, like for example, if against the Knicks, they put him on Obi. I mean, last year, right? Yeah. Roster changes and all, right? And he's like, well, I, you know, Obi's going to kill me on the glass, right? Right. right. Or, or someone like that. Right? So what do you do? Like, you've got to be physical, like, the whole possession with him, right? And and you can't let Obi have a 12-foot 12 12 of space to kind of run down on, you know? And so there's so much, like, nuance, even in how do you execute as a low man to not give up, like, prime rebounding position to a guy who's a foot taller than you or, you know, eight inches taller than you or whatever, but still be in the spots you need to be. And so I'm anxious to see even in preseason, and we know that coaches don't always show all their stuff in preseason, but how are they <laughs> yeah. handling when Trey's put into the switch? How are they handling when Trey is a low man? Are they, when there are two offensive players on the weak side of the floor, are they rotating Trey up higher out of the low man spot, right? And putting the, you know, doing a kind of a pre-rotation on that side. So that, for me, is like, I want to see what is Quinn and his new staff doing to kind of technique-wise to help Trey with those two situations. That's that's what I'm really super interested to see. I'm interested to see is Jalen defending guards. I'm interested yeah. to see does Dejounte look any different. Like I don't know. I Dejounte was not good enough defensively last year, mm-hmm. and having Trey being if Trey stays where he is and Dejounte stay where he's at, it's going to be really hard to be good enough on defense. Yep. I don't know if that last like serious injury Dejounte had would just took a lot of the physical capability out of him to move laterally and do all the things that he used to do to be an impact defender before that injury. So I don't know really what's there, but I'm anxious to see, like, schematically, are they helping these kind of two smaller guards, you know, uh, guards that don't have the traditional size you want and defenders that are in defend on ball. What does that kind of scheme look like, right? What are they doing to kind of kind of generate that? Are they are they uh, funneling the ball towards their bigs? Are they doing something else? So that, that's what I'm looking for. On offense, I th- you know, we've kind of, I don't know, and some circles kind of talked it in the ground, right? And number one, the number one thing what Quinn wants is I know he wants more three-point volume, but I would put that as kind of a 1B. Yeah. 1A is having guys that can attack on the catch. You'll hear Quinn say it all the time, on the catch, on it's the true. catch, on the catch, on the catch, right? And and that's get a shot up if you have the space for that. If the guy's closing out on you, put the ball on the floor, make a smart decision putting the ball on the floor, or just if – the defense is in heavy rotation, just kicking it to the next guy, right? And what Quinn is really pointing at there, and maybe he's a little careful about this kind of most important part, is quickly, like immediately, because the, the Hawks haven't always operated with kind of an expectation that you're going to be fast processors when the ball finds you, right? Hunter struggles with that. Hunter wants to be a little bit deliberate and methodical, you know, John was kind of a, a binary decision maker, right? In, in that type of scenario as well. DeJounte wants to let his guy get back in front of him and kind of let DeJounte kind of feel out this defender that's rotating towards him. That's what it looked like to me last year anyway. And Quinn, like, that is, that feels like stuff that might almost be kind of genetic, like, or it almost kind of fully programmed into the way guys play. And so I'm anxious to see, like, when they're playing in the preseason game, is Hunter going faster? Is DeJounte attacking open space instead of letting the guy get back in front of him? Jalen is kind of wired for that perfectly, but he doesn't have the most highest volume of reps for a guy that you want to put into potentially a lot of a role with a lot of minutes this year. And so for me, it's how are they acting 
collectively and then to a degree kind of measuring them, evaluating them independently on the catch. And the second thing is that's where most, I don't know how to say this, most of the more tenured NBA coaches want the three-point shots to come from collapse the defense, kick it out. Collapse the defense, kick it out, right? Uh, break the defense, find the open guy, pass, pass, wide open corner, wide open right below the three-point break. And so th- that's those, those are the things that I'm looking for. You know, will will the will the pick and roll volume be the same? I, I can't imagine with Trey on the team, you're going to go like way away from that, right? Um, I'm curious. Quinn at one point in time really believed in everybody touching it before you get into your set, or at least three guys touching it before you get into your set, right? Is that that feels a little uh, at a simplistic level? It feels a little counterproductive. You want Trey to be able, you know, really be empowered to kind of go. Will there be some balance though, right? So those are the things that I'm kind of looking for offensively when I think about them playing their uh, first, you know, preseason game. What was probably about five weeks away or so, right? Yeah, we're almost there, and it's you know there's so much to look at, and there's so much stuff we've already talked about, and you know there's the there's the ever present question of how they look with Trey off the court, which isn't like Trey's fault, but it's just it's always a question. I mean, it was last year they were a little bit less disastrous with him off than they had been in previous years. But still, there's a drop off there. There's always going to be a drop off there. You would imagine with the way they're constructed, um, you know, him and Murray together. We talked, I know we talked about it a lot with Murray, but uh, he, uh, you know, Trey on and, and Trey, sorry, Trey off Dejounte on was a disaster last year. Trey and Dejounte together was generally fine. It just wasn't lighting the world on fire, um, process wise. All those things. Um, the offense in particular is what falls off a cliff when Trey sits, which does make sense. And I'll just say this now: is this, this is a Trey Young player capsule. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The formula of Trey Young plus any le- any level of shooting and someone he can run pick and roll with is basically a foolproof plan to be a top tier offense. Now, where they where they rank is uh, up for debate. And I I've said before I think they need to be better than they were last year. But even in again what was kind of a down year on offense, they were seventh in the league in offense last year. I know. Yeah, I know. Every time I go look at that, I'm like, wait, I have I have some filter on. This is after this. No, and, it, and it's true. I know, it's crazy. No. It's crazy. And granted, they were better was so with, bad for stretches last year, right? And and they and they were bad in fourth. They had, they had some bad fourth quarters, and that right. that's an overarching number, which include you know, and and uh, famously, I think they were they were like third after Quinn got there. They were playing faster, and the defense actually was actually worse, but the offense was better. So, all that said. As, as badly as it seems like it went last year on offense, they were seventh, and that's again a testament to for me, Trey. Now it's not all it's not all Trey, but again, Trey played seven three games. He's durable, and they, it's been proven now for basically I won't say five years because his the first half of his rookie season was pretty rough, but ever since then he's basically proven to be a driver of efficient offense. It's not on his own, but if he has anybody around him, they're going to be good on offense. And again, I think the Maybe not majority. A lot of the credit should go to Trey for that. Um, defensively, we'll see. But I don't know. As we start wrapping it up, it's just like I I think Trey will be better this coming season than he was last year. And I think that there's a combination of his own performance and the team context. And you can debate how what what part of the pie that is. But I do think that he's going to be better, and the team's going to be better on offense again, with the, barring injury, all that stuff. And I think you know, can knock on wood. Trey's been. For me, remarkably durable for a player of his size. 
who has his workload and his usage for him to only miss a handful of games each year is pretty darn impressive, to be honest with you. Um, and even when he does sit, sometimes he doesn't really like to sit. He likes to play. He'll play hurt. Like he's, he does not like to sit and miss games. And I know this is like, we're an hour into the podcast, but like, I, I really, I, I admire that about him. Like a lot of guys don't, I mean, back to backs will sit and he's, yeah. I know he's, he's still a young guy, but like, that's a notable thing to have, to know, to know that your guy, your guy in capital letters is going to be out there every night is uh, that, that, that much. Yeah. Yeah. You, you hear it all the time when people talk about the Braves, right? And that's the thing for, for them, right? <laughs> yes. And, but for, for, for Trey, him playing all the time, it's not like, and there is a, an aspect of luck, but he, he really works on his body. Like he's, he's He's as hard a worker. I mean, by reputation, I don't know. I don't watch him every. No, day, he. Obviously. I mean, again, but my I'm reputation. Not there either, but yes, I'm not there every day either. But I, I know enough people that would know. But Trey, Trey works very, very hard. Yeah, right, he's he works as hard as anybody, and you know, and for me, kind of, kind of starting to wind this down, like the narrative out there would make you think, oh, Trey's is Trey one of the best five point guards in the league, right? I don't care what whatever exercise you want to do. Like, is he better than Ja? Right? Is he better? The whole narrative for three is he better than Jalen Brunson? Right? <laughs> yes, is the answer in my opinion. But yeah, hey, yes, okay. yes. All right. Trey is a no doubt All Star level point guard. He's capable of being first team All NBA at his peak. Right. The narrative that's out there, which I don't, we could have a long conversation about whose fault it is. Is it that these narratives out there? <laughs> I think you just have to live with it in some ways, take ownership of it, whatever, right? The Hawks have to win consistently, right? The Hawks have to uh, be more respected, right? In terms of a, be more feared as an opponent, right? There's this kind of thing that kind of goes around the league, and the media will kind of follow the narrative that players have, right? And those sorts of things. Why isn't Trey on Team USA? Good. Go go look at the all the players on Team USA that played at like Blue Blood College. Like there is a connection between the NCAA power coach. Like there's a whole there's a systematic and political thing there, right? And I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I feel for. I know Trey really wants that, and I, I tend to want people to have things that they work for to kind of come <laughs> to them, right? Also, yes. that, that's that's the thing. But for Trey is awesome to me. He's a. I don't. Like only he's a top twenty player in the league. He's absolutely one of the best, you know, three, four, or five point guards in the league, depending upon kind of who we're considering point guards, those sorts of things. The Hawks are very fortunate to have him. Now, all that to me, all of that's true, right? He should be first team All NBA three, two, three, four times in his career, in my view. That's the capability he has. That's the talent he has to make that happen. Part of it is him continuing to get better in the areas that really matter. The other part is the organization continuing to put better uh, roster construction around him, all of that sort of stuff. But for, for me, it's like, it goes back to Trey. Are you going to raise your defensive consistency, especially, especially in the fourth quarter, right? Are you going to have a plan B plan C plan D when the defense takes your plan A away from you? And you, can you go to it like that? Does it become like a very instinctive thing that you're going to those, when you know, what the kids say, or at least 10 years ago, they were saying there are levels to this, right? And that's what it is for Trey, right? That and, and, and he's, again, he's not even 25 yet. And he's at a point where he has to kind of have these dimensions that he adds to his game to go from, let's say, a top 25 playing league, whatever number you want to pick, to a top 15, to a top 10. It's those areas of the, of the game that don't always show up in the box score that are really important in the last five minutes that really have a big impact on wins and losses in close games. And 
not only him, but the team has to kind of be better in those areas. But sometimes the team being better in those areas starts with their best player being better in those areas. This isn't me saying he's been terrible, right? Uh, but that, but this is at, and it's fairly normal at age 25, 26 is when you're stepping into that being the developmental dimension you're working now on, right? Nothing else to prove as a guy who can get points. Nothing else to prove as a guy who can get assists, right? It's now can we start to add to ability and consistency in those areas that impact wins and losses. That's what will get him to first team all NBA. That's what will get the Hawks recognized as a team that can make a deep playoff run. That's where it is for me. And that's what I'm looking for from him this year. Yeah. I bet I, I don't have much to add. That's, that's a great <laughs> synopsis and they got to win. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't mean, you know, people listen to the podcast know that I don't often just boil it down to that, but it, it really is true. Uh, they have they have yet to have, even when they went to the conference finals, they have yet to have a regular season where they were particularly impressive in this in this era of basketball. They have not won more than, what is it, 46, whatever it is, 45 games this, this entire time. And that's part of it. I mean, if you don't, if you don't win for over 82, and yeah, they, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. They're back in the play-in. Yeah, They're back in the play and like for, even, even if it's not Trey's fault, and right. we can you and I can shot that from the rooftops. If it happens, I'll be the first to say either way or not that what I, what I believe. But if you're in the play again, like that, you're just not going to get that bump that other guys yeah. get. And um, we could spend a lot of time on like why he's underrated now, but I think part of it has to do with the fact that they they kind of arrived early on that conference finals run. He got some respect that I was encouraged by. He was good in the playoffs. What people thought he was going to be terrible in the playoffs. Remember that was the whole thing. Oh, he can't he can't do it in the playoffs, and he did it in the playoffs. But then they had then they had to step back and he gets blamed for that. And that's part of the deal when you're the number one guy. I will admit that. Whether it's there's other, other guys like that are fall prey to the same thing. It's not only a Trey problem, but he his reputation is going to be tied to the team's performance. And the fact that the Hawks are seen by some as kind of a punching bag. There's been the, the front office, the front office stuff the last couple of years, lots of rumors about that and trade rumors, and it's kind of just been a little bit unsettled. I think the combination of having Snyder and hopefully some cohesion and look, they got to win. And that's at the end of the day, I think Trey will be a big reason why they do. Uh, I'm already forecasting improvement from last season. I think I'm pretty confident in that boring injury, and all that stuff. But yeah, I think long story short, Trey Young is really good. And um, you know, there's, there's room for the discussion about like, if you want to build around a six, one offensive first point guard as your best player. And like, we've done that before. We'll do it again. There are limitations there, but like the reality is he's, he's their best player by a lot and he's their guy. And I think he's worthy of being a franchise player. Like he, he's really, really, really good. And uh, I look forward to um, hopefully what I'm hoping is going to be a, some unlocking by the coaching staff. And I don't want again, I almost like putting too much on that. But I'm really, really excited, maybe as a basketball observer, to like to see the combination of Trey with Trey and, and Dejounte and this whole group with with a new staff that I, I really have a lot of faith in. I think Quinn's done a really good yeah. job at Utah and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, I think Trey Young's really good. Long story yeah, short. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I'm, and I'm looking forward to the I say this all the time. I'm looking forward to the young guys benefiting from kind Definitely. of this, this as well, right? AJ and Jalen and Yaka and. And from know, Trey. Trey, Trey makes guys look good. That's the thing about that's the thing we should absolutely. always say. Like his passing, he makes guys look great. I mean, I know, it's just it, it, I know, it's it's kind of not not to open up a whole other, like, but Sadiq Bay getting traded to Trey's team before his his extension eligible. Like I what mean, a beautiful scenario for all him, kinds right? of guys. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you, know, you and I love you and I love John Collins. 
Yep. Trey definitely helped John on offense. Absolutely. Like, no question about it. Yep. Uh, as he got into his stature, he's been in Clint. You know, he makes Clint look He makes Clint look good. He got guys like Alex Lynn paid a little bit more than they probably would have been. Yep. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's always all kinds of examples of that. But, yeah, Sadiq's a great example. I agree with you on that. On that. And any, any, I mean, I know Gallo had that injury in, internationally and stuff, but he probably, you know, was set up Gallo to play two or three more because Gallo yeah. got wide open shots, you know, didn't have to deal with traffic and, and yeah, you know, Gallo got more de- one more deal from that. Um, hopefully exactly. Gallo comes back, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. No. So he's uh, good. He's good for the NBA economy, you know, in that sense for sure. <laughs> but, you know, but I am excited about, you know, watching Quinn and his staff kind of, kind of do this. I, I'm, yeah. I'm eager to see what the guys who haven't been the, um, the quickest decision makers, right? How they respond to the challenge that Quinn and his staff are bringing. I'm interested to see how, if there's any kind of different nuance on defense. I think this is about as interested as I've been in this team for a long time to kind of see what the convergence of player development, player improvement, plus this new new coaching staff. Um, They got a taste of it last year, but Quinn actually has his his staff in place now. I think it's going to be fascinating, you know, People will ask me, how many games are they going to win? I'm like, I still feel like I, I'd love to see them get to 50. Like I, That would be, I think, so fun to watch the Hawks fan base just kind of enjoy that kind of season. But I think it's going to take uh, more consistency than they've shown in a while. And to me, that's like that's yeah. the fork in the road is consistency or inconsistency. That's the difference between 44 and, say, 49, 50, 51. That's the difference, right? That is that, the that's where that's where it is, you know. So and uh, so we'll we'll see. Like I'm the one who famously said a couple of years ago, the Hawks always look like a team that tries to figure out how much defense they have to play to win a game and don't play one ounce more of the, like that has to go away. That has right. to be no longer part of the identity, yep. right? And that's part of the consistency thing. So I'm excited. You know, it feels like the season is like forever away from us. You know, like way down. Like what? Do we know what media day is? What probably? Oh what, man, five weeks. Yeah, it's like five. It's five. I think it's five weeks yeah. from Monday or something. Like that. Yeah, I have to look at it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's around right. there. I, and it's it's funny because like I, I haven't had much time to spend on Twitter like in a while, but when I like jump in there, I'm like, oh my god, no! Like, let's just start the season because the conversations are <laughs> are just mind numbing, you know. So so let yeah, let's get to let's get to media day. Let's get to some preseason games. Let's get to some things we can watch and consume and. Uh, and analyze and talk about I, I'm ready. And I think, you know, uh, like, you know, for those that are interested, like, man, enjoy the WNBA. It's, it's awesome. You know, if FIBA is your thing, enjoy that, you know, uh, that's great. But, uh, but one, once, once that first preseason game gets here, so it's like, you know, fourth gear the rest of the way. So, so if you need to get a, a breather or, Whatever it is, you know, I, I know I'm ready, but at the same time, it's like I'm kind of like, okay, I'm a little bit more time to get myself ready for the pace that's going to come with the season because there's going to be, I think, just a lot to take in this year. Yeah, I think you're right about all of those things. Uh, Glenn, thank you for doing this, my friend. I will, I'm sure yeah. I'll find another gimmick to get you on the show very soon again, but I appreciate all of the time. One more plug for me, and I'll, I'll let you plug as well. The player capsules are still very, very valuable. There's hours of content. Glenn and I talking earlier this summer, and honestly, it's it's almost weird how much it's still relevant because there's like not that much happening with the roster. So we got kind yeah. of lucky on that. There's a pretty long shelf life there, but if you missed all that. Listen to those, Glenn. Where else can they find all of your uh, musings in the world? So I always like to say, you know, support our guys over at Peace Tree Hoops. You know, Wes is over there; he's taken over recently and doing a great job. 
Graham's uh, tradition of the schedule analysis just just came out, uh, which is I, I look forward to that every year. No one could do what Graham does with uh, a, sch- a schedule being released. So support those guys over there. Uh, Kevin and I over at ATL29. Uh, I, I still fondly remember when the three of us were present together on for one episode. <laughs> uh, we'll have to make that happen again. We'll do it again. And, uh, yes. You know. And and I you know I, I'll start to put this out. Like, I'm going to be in Atlanta in uh, in October. I'm hoping to attend the the preseason game on the 14th. And so, uh, you know, if there's some folks who want to say hi and all that sort of stuff, we will look forward to to that. I'll have some time time then, and uh, look forward to saying hi to tie to you at least, Brad, in person, and yes, get together with Kevin as well. So I, you know, that's right around my my birthday is right in that phase. I'm going to go spend my birthday with my daughter who lives in Chattanooga to kind of book in the. Atlanta, the Atlanta around the weekends and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that trip and oh yeah, and all of that. So yeah, so ATL29 on Twitter at Willis underscore Glenn. Once the season gets going, you'll you'll probably uh, be like, oh my god, he broke down 17 plays right after the game was over. You know, <laughs> slow down. You know, but, uh, that's good. I yeah. So so I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, su- support everybody who who's out there doing hard work most almost all of them working further than me putting hawks content out uh (laughs) and uh and i appreciate any support that gets thrown my way too well thank you sir for doing this i sincerely appreciate it check out atl 29 and all glenn's musings and uh, be part of the massive crowd that will surround glenn in october i'm sure (laughs) when it comes to watch the hawks and all that fun stuff but uh thanks sir i appreciate it as everybody else please subscribe to this podcast as well anywhere you get your podcasts and we'll see you all next time